Welcome to the Math Ed Podcast. My name is Sam Otten from the University of Missouri, and my guest today is Luz Valoyes Chavez, who's a postdoctoral fellow at the Center for Advanced Research and Education at the University of Chile. Luz, thanks so much for speaking with me today. Thank you so much, Sam, for inviting me. Yeah, I'm very happy to talk to you. And you have a very interesting article that came out recently in Educational Studies in Mathematics, uh, Volume 100. And the article is about the making of new mathematics teachers, but not new mathematics teachers in, ter in terms of early career or beginning, but really new mathematics teachers in terms of the reform movement and trying to move towards a new pedagogy of mathematics. And your article really digs into uh, the teacher's perspectives on what it's like to be part of the change. And uh, we're going to dig into that article. It's a very interesting take that you have. But before that, I want to get a little bit of background on yourself. So uh, I know you went to a, a very esteemed graduate program in mathematics <laughs> education. And I wonder if you could first just talk about uh, what your dissertation was and who you worked with when you were in grad school. I went to the University of Missouri. All right. Cool. I'm very happy. And um, I w my dissertation was about unpacking racism in the Colombian uh, mathematics education community, particularly in mathematics uh, classrooms. So Colombia is portrayed as a racial democracy. It is a belief that uh, racism doesn't exist in our country. Mm. So after uh, going to the United States and realizing what is the meaning of being black, so I just wanted to focus on racism in my uh, country. So I did mm. my dissertation in that topic. And my advisor was Dr. Chabal, Catherine Chabal. Mm -hmm. And now you're continuing to think about issues related to race, but also more broadly, um, the subjectification of people and teachers in particular. And the article that you have in Educational Studies in Mathematics, you really focus on this idea of a resistor teacher, uh, a teacher who is resistant to change. I wonder if you could just help us understand that notion of a resistor teacher and how the concept of it arose in terms of our discourse of how we talk about teachers. Yes, that was interesting because here in Chile when I came, uh, there was just like um, a few black people. And then, you know, like I became very interested in this notion of uh, educating mathematics teachers in urban contexts. So where you will find black immigrants, also like low-income students. So I started working with teachers, you know, in a PD program, very ambitious because in 2009, Chile started like a huge curriculum reform. And one important point was uh, problem solving. Problem solving was the organizer of the mathematics curriculum. So teachers needed, you know, to learn to implement solving problem in their classroom. Mm -hmm. uh, the University of Chile started this very ambitious uh, professional development that is called ARPA, Activating Problem Solving in the Classroom. So we started working with teachers in like in, in Chile, around Chile, and particularly in uh, urban communities here in Santiago. So like after two, two years working with teachers, I realized that in the Chilean school culture, uh, you will hear like administrative staff telling us that, you know, like teachers didn't want to change, that they were just like resisting change mm -hmm. and this idea of the resistor teacher just started to to emerge mm -hmm. and uh, I went to the literature and I find and also found many articles about the resistor teacher 
like this individual teacher who doesn't want to change, like is not willing to change, even if we as researchers have the knowledge and, you know, like the ability to, to help them implement change in mathematics instruction, they don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. It's a lack of willingness to do it. Mm-hmm. So it was for me very interesting, you know, like, like uh, the school discourse and the, the math education, I mean, research in math education just portraying this individual teacher as a resistor. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting how you came at it, where it's not actually a trait of the teacher themselves. It's part of the discourse of how we talk about the teachers. It's really people who are trying to make change, like, for example, math education researchers or professional developers or maybe the district leaders who are trying to push forward for new kinds of mathematic instruction. And you talk about the Chilean kind of national effort to have more problem solving and more ambitious um, mathematics instruction in, in the United States. We have, you know, the NCTM, which has been pushing for problem solving and conceptual understanding and things. But it's when we're trying to push the change and then we, in our discourse, we characterize those teachers as the resistor teachers. But that's part of the discourse that's happening. It's not necessarily like an inherent trait of the teacher. Yes, that's that's uh, pretty interesting. For me, it was very like revealing because it is like you know like reform efforts in particularly in urban context that don't work, mm-hmm. and the first individual to blame is the teacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not our fault. It's it's not because we lack lack you know, I don't know like uh, resources or knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's because the teachers don't want to do it, mm-hmm. and it's just like blaming. It's a blaming game. Yeah, that that was very interesting for me. Even you know, like in my center, just research, researchers uh, addressing this this issue, just like teachers don't want to change. Mm-hmm. So it, it was very like uh, appealing for me. Yeah, to think about this more about how we're positioning the teacher and how we're talking about this issue. Yeah. That leads me maybe to this article then. What was the primary goal that you had for writing this article in Educational Studies and Mathematics? Yes, I wanted to open a conversation about how we as researchers approach our work with, you know, like um, uh, in-service mathematics teachers. It's, It's very interesting that we just go to the schools and ask the teacher to work with us, but we don't approach the teachers as human beings, like these individuals who have history, a history, particular interest. They are just inside of a very dominant uh, school culture, particularly here in Chile. So we don't know anything about, you know, teachers, about their lives, about uh, the things that really worry them. So, for instance, when I started just visiting the schools in, in my project, I found that teachers were very disappointed because of the salary, because of the work conditions. They are overwhelmed by the amount of work they have to do. They have to to take work from the schools to the home and work over, over, I mean, overwork, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's very hard for them to deal with so many issues in schools. And then we go to the schools and ask them to spend time with us you know, thinking about uh, uh, high cognitive demand task. And I mean, all these new demands to them. So it's just overwhelming for for them. Mm -hmm. I think just the way you're speaking now and also in the article where you really try to bring like a full humanity to teachers, uh, to me is an important contribution of this article in itself. Because when we talk about 
resistor teachers, we're really almost dehumanizing them. And we're just talking about the teachers in terms of what they're doing for us or not doing for us. Yeah. Like I want them to do this certain thing. I want them to exhibit these certain behaviors in terms of the way that they lead discussions or do problem solving tasks. But if I'm talking about them as resistor teachers and resistant to change, I'm basically just talking about how they're not compliant with what I or professional developers hope, hope that they would do instead of recognizing their full humanity and the reasons that they have for what they're doing and, and that sort of thing. I also wanted to ask about the framework that you used to bring some clarity and perspective onto this issue. So could you say a little bit about the theoretical perspective that you have? Yes, I was uh, using mainly Foucault, Foucault's uh, development, theoretical development, like this idea of um, subjectivity and um, uh, identity. But, you know, like over time, I, I have become very interested in, in uh, this notion of culture and cultural studies, particularly the word of Stuart Hall. So because for me, it's just like it gives me this sense of shared meanings about who the teacher would be, how uh, the teacher would teach. It's, it's a cultural thing. It's not like individuals, but culture, mm -hmm. but shared meanings. So I try to put together these ideas in the article. I think, I mean, it worked, but I, I, I am trying to do it better in my next articles. I'm very interested in this idea of culture and cultural, like uh, the uh, school culture and mathematics school culture. So I am trying to think about it deeply. Mm -hmm. And you said earlier that this article was really trying to start a conversation about this. And so I appreciate also how you're saying how you've brought these ideas together, but you're still work working on it. And people reading might also want to engage in that conversation. I now want to move on to the kind of central figure of the article. And if you could tell us a little bit about the teacher who ends up being, you know, the, the one that gets the most attention in, in terms of thinking about how he is resisting change, but how you can kind of put a different spin on what that means. But first, tell us a little bit about him and his background. Yeah, Matias, mathematics teacher, a Chilean mathematics teacher. He's a very, like, committed teacher. His students love him. He spends a lot of time in school like working with uh, with students who struggle are struggling with mathematics, learning mathematics, and he's a very kind person, very kind teacher. Uh, so he has been working with us like for like four years now. He's still working with me in my project. Matthias did his best to improve, you know, like his teaching. Uh, Matias was always uh, asking questions and, you know, like he was a very motivated teacher in the PD sessions. But when, when, when we were observing uh, his, cla his classes, I saw a lot of struggling, like just like he sometimes became mad with the students. And yeah, he was trying to do his best, but sometimes he just like gave up. And then you talked to him a lot about how he was feeling and how he was going through this, you know, multi-years of thinking about mathematics instruction. So talk to us about the way that he described and was reflecting on the potential changes and those things that he was working on. The way in the article that you talk about this, you really disrupt the notion of resistor teacher and you put a different spin on it. So could you just talk to us a little bit about how that played out with him? Yes, um, we, we met regularly, like... Um once per month and I selected some video clips to talk with him about you know like the struggles 
he was like experiencing, he was facing, and uh, we started this very nice conversation because during our our meetings, he just started talking about different identities, like uh, being like an artist, like a director of orchestra, or just like different, like very uh, identities related with art. And I started just like following his ideas about these uh, ways of describing his work as a teacher. So for me, it was very illuminating because uh, it wasn't he was resisting or he he didn't want to to improve his teaching. He he didn't want to uh, implement problem solving, but he was just trying to make sense of all these ideas that we were just like sharing with him during our, during the PD program. Mm -hmm. So for me it was very, it was also like a learning for me, you mm -hmm. know, like just like understanding how he was making sense of these uh, ideas of problem solving, what is the meaning of problem solving in the classroom, what is the new idea of being a new mathematics teacher, uh, his own role as a mathematics teacher. So it was also revealing for me, very revealing. Mm -hmm. So on one level, you weren't seeing the changes in his teaching that you maybe hoped for. But when you talk to him, you realize it's not because he's against what He's not against the goals of problem solving or any of those things, but he is just grappling with the struggle of doing this and it's hard to do. And he sometimes is quote unquote, you know, failing at it, but it's not really a failure. It's just a learning process that he's still in the midst of. Yes. And so you could label him as a resistor because he isn't changing in these kind of tangible ways in terms of the model of instruction. But when you we get to know him and see how he's talking about it, it he's really making sense of a lot of different things and, and multi-dimensional kind of identity work. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a good summary. He's just like, he was making sense of this, uh, all this new discourse about being a mathematics teacher and, you know, like uh, this new method of teaching. Uh, yeah, it was just making sense. Yeah. A learning process for him. Right. And that's, I think, the, the key reframing that your article really does is changing it to him making sense of what's going on instead of him as a resistor, you know, putting a negative kind of uh, label on it. You mentioned that you're still working with Matthias. Uh, what would you say his future looks like? What do you kind of see as his path going forward as he still continues to do this? Yeah, we now we are focusing on like um, designing a very motivating tasks for the students. And we are also working on challenging some ideas that he has about the students. You know, these are um, low-income students, immigrant students, and he has low expectations for these students. Like, they can learn mathematics, it's hard for them, you know, to solve this uh, task. They don't have the ability to do, like, mathematics. So we are working on these ideas. I am trying to create learning experiences for him just to challenge those ideas. It's, it's a hard work, but I'm pretty optimistic about, about this work. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking with Luz Veloyas Chavez from the University of Chile, and we're talking about her article in Educational Studies in Mathematics. And I want to ask you one more question about that article. You talk about professional development in general, and you make some international connections to these bigger uh, issues of professional development with teachers. And you talk about how professional development usually ignores not only rituals and practices within the local school culture, 
but they also disregard often teachers' social and cultural experiences. So you kind of have some critique of the typical approach to professional development. Like you said earlier, sometimes ignoring the humanity, the cultural aspects of the teacher that is you know, part of the professional development. If you think about your study and the, the new perspective that you're bringing in this article, what do you see as the implications for doing professional development maybe in a different way? I think we, we need to approach uh, our work with teachers in a different way. We have to ask them what they need, what, what they want. You know, we never listen to teachers. It's just like we go to the schools and just try to tell, to tell them what to do. Like if we were right and they were wrong. So I think we have to listen to teachers. They need their needs and stories and cultural and social backgrounds. We have to work with them in that way. That's that's what I'm trying to do. And it's just also like a learning process for me as a researcher and a teacher educator. That's, I think that's an important thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, uh, I think we have to question this hierarchical positioning between researchers and teacher educators and teachers. It's, just, it's like teachers don't know anything about teaching and they know a lot. Mm-hmm. So we have to build with them new knowledge about how to teach mathematics to students. That's what I think. Yeah, they know a lot, and they also have a real school culture that's a real thing in their life. One shift that I'm trying to make in the last year or so with professional development is instead of having a professional development package that's sort of prepared ahead of time, (laughs) here's some strategies that can really work, and I've designed several hours of PD that will help develop these strategies or whatever it might be. But instead of prepackaging it, actually just change PD to going to a school, talking to teachers about what's your daily practice like, what are your routines in the classroom, what is your school culture in terms of how you interact with other teachers or your assessment programs or whatever it might be. And then my job as a professional developer is to actually tailor any recommendations to your specific setting and your specific like routines that you have. So instead of me coming with a prepackaged program, I just talked to you about, oh, this is your routine for warm-ups, or this is your school's routine for assessment, or this is your teacher team's, you know, culture of how you work together. Let me try to see if I can find a suggestion or something that we can work on together that fits within your culture or fits within your teaching routine. Now, we might have some criticisms of the norms and cultures, but... I don't think we can ignore them. I think we have to work within them and try to make some adjustments together with the teachers. I don't know what you think about that. Yes, there are some things that I can change. I cannot change, for instance, the salary conditions of teachers. They are always complaining, at least here in Chile, how low the salary the salary is. Same thing here. <laughs> yeah, and they have to like loan. I mean, the whole day, and then they have to take you know work with them to home. Mm-hmm. And work over, you know, like overnight and this kind of thing. They are always complaining about about these kind of things. I can't change that, but I can I can listen. I can talk with the teachers about these feelings, you know, or of dissatisfaction, uh, and also like uh, I don't know. It's, it's just I think it's not just about complaining. They have things to say that make difficult to change math instruction. It's not just about, you know, like teaching mathematics and knowing better about students, student thinking, content. There are so many things going on in the school culture that you have to be aware when you work with teachers. And we usually disregard these things. 
you know, these ideas, these problems. So I can't change the school culture just like with a PD program. I can't. But I have to be aware of these circumstances with I work with teachers. Mm-hmm. Well, Luz, thanks so much for that work. It's definitely very thought-provoking, and I encourage people to uh, to grab the article from Educational Studies and Mathematics. I also have one more question I want to ask you, and this is uh, just having a little bit of fun. And uh, we overlapped briefly here at the University of Missouri, but you were mostly done with your program already. So this is also a chance for me to get to know you a little bit better. If you were not actually doing mathematics education as your career, is there something else you could imagine doing uh, instead? Yes, I will be a chef. I love cooking. Oh. Yeah, that's that's my second option. I don't know, maybe one day. When, I don't know when, but yeah, I love cooking for my friends and my family. So, yeah, so it's such a, you know, like hobby with my husband. So we are always inviting people to our home and just like cooking for them. It's a crazy thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite things in Chile to prepare as you since you've been there? Ah, meat. (laughs) But, you know, like, meat here is so good. I mean, we have a variety of meat from Brazil, Argentina, uh, Uruguay, Paraguay. So it's just like, you know, like uh, barbecues. And, yeah, all preparation with meat is is very nice, very delicious. (laughs) Well, that sounds wonderful. I think I I need to go to lunch break right after this. You're welcome to come. (laughs) (laughs) That would be wonderful. Well, Luz, it was really great talking to you. Thanks so much for taking the time to just share some of those insights into your work. Thank you for inviting me. It's a great honor. 